Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined as always by Ryan Coming to you following Everton's 2-0 loss to Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Disappointing, but perhaps expected. On the bright side, coming to us from Paul Brown on Twitter. It is Everton's first defeat away from home since November, and only the second time they failed to score in 14 away league games. So, silver linings, I suppose. And it's actually one year to the day that... Everton lost 4-0 at Stamford Bridge, where I was in attendance, and I believe it was the last round of fixtures before all the fans were barred from the stadium as they are to this day. So, um, And it's now 27, I believe, consecutive losses for the Blues at Stamford Bridge. So, you know. Consecutive loss, non- consecutive non-wins. Yes, yes. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> losses yeah i think it's uh they've got 16 wins now and 11 draws but yeah i think only against spurs have the blues had a longer unbeaten home run in top flight history 27 that's that's them blues not the everton blues yes um and yeah look i mean chelsea's been on fire since thomas tuchel took over i mean eight clean sheets from 10 going into this one um i mean that's pretty great i think they only conceded two and i don't believe they've conceded at home uh but yeah i mean disappointing with the loss and the west ham win everton dropped to six with tottenham in seven just a point behind them uh at least liverpool is a distant eighth uh, three points behind in the game at hand but you know this this is what we wanted right we wanted the race you know for european spots and uh it gets competitive but look this was going to be maybe our most difficult fixture the rest of the way you know, obviously we've still got Man City, but um, this one you thought was going to be tough and it kind of played out that way. Yeah, look, uh, if, I think Tuchel's obviously done a fantastic job of writing the ship at Chelsea, but you think back to the start of the season, preseason previews and everything, given the amount they spent this summer, they kind of reloaded, restocked, spent big on some key players and people were wondering, were they legit title contenders? And I think this the way they played under Tuchel is just a, a testament to, frankly, the the what they were lacking with Frank Lampard at the helm. And they are an organized side. They played played us off the park, kept us in, at arm's length, comfortably the better side throughout the full ninety minutes. I mean, it just it's one of those you just kind of hold your hands up and and say, what can you really do? They're they're better than us at every position, including their bench. And we were we're, we're missing a lot of guys still, so um, it's hard to be too upset. And as you said, it's it's more important that we just react to this and, and come back stronger. Yeah, it's more important, frankly, to get three p- points off the teams that we we can. Uh, that's way more important than sticking out and getting fortunate on a draw uh, against a Chelsea side that's on fire. A couple good things about it. Score predictions. A couple people got it right, including James himself. Two in a row. Two in a row. Uh, Ezra nailed it, too. And uh, oh, yeah, EFC Jonesy. Um, he nailed it. Happy to see that. And no, I do not acknowledge that what dog otherwise known as Andy Watt got it. He absolutely waffled. He said zero two or one to three. You can't do that, man. I don't care if he said the spread is okay. And so I sent him on Twitter a waffle and his response was eat the waffle, eat it. 
Thanks Splendid. Lot, Andy. That's right. You know, at north our north of the border brethren can go stick it, frankly. You get one score prediction. You cannot hedge. You cannot waffle. Well, that's why it's he claims guns. it's the first one I chose. You chose two. You can't do that. If it was if it was one to three, you know, he would have said, well, the second one is the real. One. Exactly. Come on, please. You know what? Get it, Andy. No, I'll give him partial credit. I'll give him partial credit. You don't can, give you can... him any credit. <laughs> Regardless, let's uh, let's pivot here and talk about the Everton lineup because there were a lot of rumors swirling around the supposed ITKs on Twitter alleged that Decore had broken his foot in training that had not been confirmed and still has not been confirmed. I believe Carlo after the match said that it was a, a important injury, which is an interesting adjective, um, but he nonetheless was obviously not featured in the side and my God, did we miss him? So he ended up Pickford retains his spot in goal. Same back line, Holgate, Dean, Godfrey, Michael Keane, and the interesting midfield uh, trio that pretty much raised alarm bells right off the bat, Ryan, of Allen, Andre Gomez, and Gilfie Sigurdsson with the front line of Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, and Alex Awobi. Yeah, we'll get into the tactics and that. I have a feeling Carlo had to set up in a certain way to play and then uh, Decore getting hurt maybe he didn't change it back. You know what I mean? Uh, my guess is Andre kind of got plugged in for him because if you look at Andre's usage right now, he's played a lot of minutes, and my guess is that he was probably not slated to be on that side. But we'll get to that in a second. Chelsea lineup was interesting. Uh, they have got to be a bear to prepare for. They can play a lot of different players. I mean, to me, I, I had a feeling that you knew they were going to play back three. That's been Thomas Tuchel's... Um, preference and you got to figure that Christensen would be in the middle and Kurt Zuma kind of on the left would probably be the guy running around trying to deal with Dominic Calvert-Lewin and yeah he had Reese James on the right uh, Alonzo on the left that's his preference uh, moving forward instead of Ben Chilwell um, and you just never knew who was going to be in the midfield too um, but then you look at the bench I yeah. mean this I mean are you kidding me I, I'm look it's at, a joke I mean, let's just go through here's the difference between the teams really in a nutshell here's our bench Zhao Virginia is our backup goalie. Oh, I'm sorry. Tires in there too. My sorry, man. Uh, in Kunku, um, John is in there. I forgot about that. Tom Davies, Bernard and King are really the only three guys that have played any substantial time in the premier league. Uh, Neil's played a little bit. Okay. Then let's go to the Chelsea bench who we got here. I mean, yeah, we got uh, Kepa, just, I guess is, yeah. I mean, but how much did they pay for him? I mean, Kepa, I take Kepa over Joe Virginia, 70 million. And then you've got, of course, Antonio Rudiger, Tiago Silva, Ben Chilwell, Conte, Christian Pulisic coming off the bench, uh, Mason Mount, Hakeem Ziyech, and Olivier Giroud. So you've got eight, eight guys there, all of which, or most of which probably walk into our starting lineup. I mean, that speaks volumes. Yeah, it's it's just a different, different level. And again, part of it is injuries. I get it. But I, even with the healthy bench, I mean, that's, that's pretty loaded. I mean, it just makes you question. You're like, how did Frank not get exactly? Exactly. I mean, I, you know, and and at times that their play was very fluid. Um, so let's talk about the tactical setup because it looked like our setup was a little bit different. I mean, we came out in four two three one, um, and we were all, pretty much man marking and putting pressure on them. Which, if you look at who Chelsea put out there. I think had Andre not been out there and maybe we had to Corey out there with his athleticism, I think we might've had some 
some success. Uh, really, those three in the back were really looking for Jorginho a lot. He was kind of the drop back in the holding mid. And, yep. and Sigurdsson was trying to cover him. And then occasionally he would leave him to pressure Christensen, who had the ball a lot. But he was doing it in a very intelligent angle, making it tough to at least, you know, almost forcing it to be at least two passes to get him the ball. But eventually, Chelsea kind of wised up on that. Um, Kovacic was kind of dropping back a little bit. But I think the biggest wrinkle he had was Werner came back a little bit, but really Kai Havertz. Havertz has been an underachiever so far at Chelsea. And, and having watched him play all last year, you could tell he's a phenomenal talent, but he's still young. He's still kind of developing. Um, you could say they overpaid for him, but they paid as much for potential. Well, he showed the potential in his effort today. He dropped back almost as a false nine, pushing Callum Hudson-Odoi up higher and to the left, Werner on the right. And uh, really, Havertz was the one that when our midfield was not good enough to prevent them from cutting lines. And whenever they finally did find him the ball into space running at us, it was very, very difficult for us to stop. And, you know, that's that's kind of how how it played out very much. Um, and we just, you know, we couldn't keep the ball very much, especially in the first 20 minutes. And, and they attacked mostly down. Uh, down their right side, 38% of the time. And we tried to attack on our left 44% of the time, Hamez. But, I mean, there was no real sustained pressure by us. No, I mean, it, they had a lot of patience. I mean, you could tell they were just intent on controlling the game, moving yeah. the ball around, breaking us down. And they have great balance across the pitch, whereas we are still very much lopsided, despite the fact that we ended up with 32% of our attack going down the right this time. It's been lower in the last few matches. I mean, the quality just wasn't there. And so you can try all you want to no avail. And even things down the left side, despite repeated efforts, not a whole lot to show for it. And so, you know, the the balance in their side, the quality throughout and, and Havertz, again, as you said, he, he hasn't really lit up the league like many expected. But today, I think he, we saw a little bit of showing that true potential that he has and what, a, a, I think, elite player he will be in the years to come. Yeah, I mean, I think the best stat to indicate how much control they had of the match was that Dominic Calvert-Lewin for us had 14 touches and only one yeah. shot. To me, when I looked at the matchups up front, I thought Dom may have a matchup against their left side or their right side, our left side, even Christensen, who I felt like he bullied um, at Goodison. Time, yeah. yeah, and I was thinking, okay, maybe it was last year's when he did it. I, I thought that was possibly a chance. I thought if they pushed up Marcus Alonso, uh, perhaps a Wobi could get behind him and do some damage. But but I think the biggest matchup really was trying to watch Andre Gomes, who sometimes did a good job, but on Kovacic and and then watching a Wobi and Holgate together try and deal with Hudson Adoy and Marcus Alonso. Again, Mason Holgate did not play a good good match. No. Um, and Awobi is not really a wing back, but he was pushed deep a lot. Um, yeah, that Alonso, was, Alonso had him pinned back and actually uh, I want to give a hat tip to Karen Carney on commentary. I thought she was a, a bit of a breath of fresh air, at least in terms of being relatively neutral. And she pointed out early on, like, obviously we want to have a Wobi in attacking spaces where he can receive the ball, but Alonzo and Hudson Adoy gave them nightmares down the right and really pinned them back effectively. And so we really had no one to break to other than long balls up to Dom, who was extremely isolated. And I think we all want to 
see Everton evolve into the type of team that can control the ball and attack from wide spaces. I know Carlo Ancelotti in the past has done that with the use of attacking fullbacks, but the only way that can happen is if you have the ability to control the ball in the midfield and hold it in some spots in order to get those guys forward. So if Chelsea's on the ball the whole time, they can just push those guys up at will. So the challenge then is picking the ball off and then playing it behind them. But in order to do that, you've got to be able to get behind them and win the ball to do it. And when you're pinned that far deep, I mean, it was almost impossible. So let's get to kind of the uh, the timeline, if we shall. So, I mean, the first 20 minutes, they came out and hang on to the ball the whole time. It was like 80% possession. I think they had four shots. We had zilch. <laughs> That being said, I mean, I wouldn't say their chances were unbelievable in those first 20 minutes and we were bunkered in. OK, but you know, there are maybe some cracks that were apparent in the midfield. Yeah, I mean, I think we're at this point pretty accustomed to seeing this side play this way against sides that are better than us. I mean, Carlos, a pragmatic guy, sets us up for success. So I wasn't shocked at the disparity in possession. Were you surprised with the man marking, though? Because I, I thought that was uh, we've been doing it more. And I think that's probably the right thing to do with someone like Andre Gomes. That's not a great defensive like he's yeah. not very defensively aware. So maybe that simplifies things. I think for so, him. Yeah. But but I felt like it was maybe a little bit more aggressive than we've seen in the past. Yeah. And I actually thought that both Siggy and Gomez early did an OK job with their angles and their marking. But with the limited athleticism there, you have to know that it's only a matter of time before an extremely athletic side like Chelsea's able to exploit it. And of course that they did eventually, but even with the four shots in the first 20, it felt like the side weren't particularly uncomfortable or put off their rhythm. Cause it's almost like what, you know, Everton countered with that exact game plan, which was we'll let them play around midfield. We won't, we'll pick our places to pr press where we need to, but for the most part, let them mess around with it and just prevent that incisive final ball. And it seemed like their two big chances in that time were both offset pieces. Right. And that's where, obviously, we needed to be a little bit more clinical. I did feel like, you know, in the 15th minute, Jorginho gets a rebound off of a corner, missed it, places it just a little wide left. And then Alonzo off a free kick in the 17th minute. Pickford makes his first good play of the match, comes out. And I wouldn't say it was the strongest punch, but he makes good contact. It's he a does. clear. And, uh, Jorginho tries another like volley that ends up going one. But the point is, I mean, they, they were honest, but but not to the point where they're just knocking on the door like crazy. Uh, and then it seemed like about the 20 minute thought on to about the to well to the 31st, which we know what happened there. And we had three shots to one. It, it looked like the pressure was working some. I thought Gilfie in particular was doing a decent job forcing at least multiple passes to get the ball to Jorginho. Uh, Alon was very bad in the beginning, kind of. He was, minutes. yeah. He it was, was like alarmingly a, bad. He was slow, got a count out in space, and we know he's not that quick. I, I don't know if he's 100% up to speed quite yet, but normally his instincts are very good, but he was just not as aggressive. I mean, the team needs to be in sync. If you're going to press a little bit higher like that, you've got to all be together. But But right about that time period, we started to settle in and I was thinking, wow, we got a couple chances here. We looked okay. You know, we got on the ball a little bit and then, you know, just as we started to kind of get into the feel of the game, sure enough, Chelsea plays a ball through and it's one nil. Yeah. Look, I mean, it ends up it's, it's Christensen has it. Andre drops back to deal with Kovacic. Kovacic gets the ball, <clears throat> hits it back to Zuma. Zuma passes it to Hudson Odoi and he's got Holgate on his back. Uh, he bounces off. I mean, a Hudson Odoi 
really kicked on under Tuchel. He's been impressive. Yeah. Uh, Gomez, <clears throat> excuse me, drops down to help, turns towards the sideline, gets away from Gomez. No, uh, that's a pretty simple task for a guy with his speed and pace. Yep. Holgate, this is the, pro- I think, where the, everything breaks down is Holgate doesn't really hustle back. And Alonzo's making that overlapping run behind Awobi. Awobi stays with him, uh, but he turns back, faces Hudson Odoi, who Gomez in the rear view mirror, waits for Holgate. Alonzo slips inside, and there's just a miscommunication. And all of a sudden, Keen ends up stepping out. Havertz is there. They just got numbers in the box, and Havertz. Look, it's an unlucky deflection off Ben Godfrey and an own goal, but it, it was a nice little move from Chelsea. We just didn't really react all that well and defensively. I think the key to the play was Alonzo made a very smart run. You know, when he took off, when he saw Callum Hudson Adoy kind of roll away from Holgate and then Andre pick him off, Alonzo just takes off towards down the wing. So Wobi runs with him, he's on his inside. But the second Adoy peels off, gets outside of Andre. I don't know what the heck Andre was doing in terms of his angle. He was way too high. Adoy pulls off, starts running down the wing. That point, Awobi sees him, turns towards him. Now, right when that happens, the second he turns, Alonso cuts inside, which was a really smart run and a very clever thing to do. Now, the thing is, he turns and looks. Now, he doesn't leave him at that point. He leaves him the second he looks at Holgate. Like, he almost steps back to try and get in the passing lane where he thinks the passing lane is. Now Alonso has moved a little bit to his left. And then he turns to face and take on Hudson Adoy to stop him. He maybe makes one or two steps there, but only when he feels Holgate, he can pass on the player to Holgate. Now, right. Holgate's just loafing at this point, ultimately. I mean, that's part of the biggest problem. And there's no way Michael Keane, I think, can come out and, you know, wander Dave Hal from Halifax. You know, we were talking about that a little bit. Does Keen have to come out more aggressively there? I, I just think he's got, there's two guys in the box there exactly. too, as well. So I, I don't think he can jump on that immediately. If he did, it would have been really, really gutsy and courageous. And, but ultimately I think the problem is, so, so there are a couple of problems. So Awobi maybe should have waited to pass him on. I don't know about that. Maybe Alex could have turned to realize that Alonzo was farther inside and stepped in and been more tight. But ultimately the problem is that Andre Gomes took a bad line, lost a guy. And Mason Holgate didn't recover. I don't understand that at all. Like the second a doy gets passed on to Andre and Andre has to cover him. What is Mason doing there? He has no one get back, man. And and that's ultimately what, and I saw some people bagging on a about it uh, on social media, which look, I mean, maybe he could have done better, but how can you blame the one guy who actually stayed with his guy? Right. right. You know what I mean? He had to peel off. It wasn't him who lost Hudson a doy. It was Holgate and Andre. So I mean, that, that seems a little bit unfair. It's just people picking on a Wobi. And look, you know, it was an unlucky deflection, but it was a great chance. They played it quickly. It was a good run and a good pass. And look, the bottom line is Chelsea has some guys in midfield that can pass the ball. And it was on Range. full display. On, oh, my goodness. Range. At any point within about 45 yards in, they could send someone through and they did it very well. Yeah. And they did look, they had guys making intelligent runs in behind. They were able to get... Both their fullbacks, Reese James and Alonzo, involved repeatedly in the final third. And we just had no match, no match for them. Um, so, and the center backs could pass the ball too. I mean, I, you know, because right. I think the, 40, the 41st minute was the ball that Christensen played over the top to Alonzo, oh. which again, Mason Holgate getting caught out. I, I don't understand why Mason Holgate's on the outside of Alonzo on this play I, I, or, or why he gets caught ball watching. You've got one guy, man. I, I don't, I mean, maybe I mean, he's not a right back. 
He's not a right back. I, I, I don't want to pile on him too much because, look, we've talked about it enough the last several games. He's playing out of position, but he is just he's just not good as a right back. He's not good defensively. Discipline-wise, he doesn't have – he needs to be central where he's not relied upon to go both directions quite as much. When he's we need him to get forward in any capacity, he gets caught out. He's not great at marking runners with pace. He's a great athlete, and he makes a good tackle here and there, but he's just – a little too reckless. I think, you know, center back pairing with someone more disciplined like Michael Keane, it can it can work really well. But when he gets isolated and when he's partnering with a guy like Alex Wobi, they're just uh it's just really ineffective and tough to watch. And um I think his gift but, is as a center back his ability to step in and pick off a pass and show yeah. some show some athleticism in the open field, much like Ben Godfrey shows. Um, but yeah, right back. I mean, he played for a whole season at West Brom on loan. You would think right. he'd be a little bit better, but in that instance, he got caught out again. I'll tell you, Michael Keane had a great recovery to get a piece of it, and it took a very unfortunate deflection. Looked like it was going in the side, and Jordan Pickford had a very nice adjustment to save it. Yeah, I mean, at that point, they had just taken back control of the match, and it was tough. I mean, from the 26th to the 43rd minute, Everton had eight dispossessions to Chelsea's two. And frankly, we dispossessed Chelsea only two times from the 40th minute on. I mean, to me, that was the moment basically where we'll get to the second half in a second, but it just, they were in command of the game and you just felt like maybe, you know, look, the ball bounces funny sometime. And, and, you know, once we got to halftime, you couldn't help but thinking, all right, we're going to have to come out of our, we ha- I mean, we were man marking, but I mean, we're going to have to get farther up the pitch. And I, I just felt like eventually what would happen is they just play it past us and, and knock two or three more by us, you know? Yeah. And they very, very nearly did, to be honest. I mean, we'll go through it, but fortunate that it was the, the, as small a margin as it was. And you're right. And, and it seemed like we came out in the second half and, and maybe looked a little bit more direct, a little bit more full of intent, but, but I and think it works that, sometimes, I mean, it did work sometimes. Sure. Yeah. I mean, look, we didn't have a, a ton going for us in the first few minutes. There was a, uh, there was the disallowed Harvard school for handball, Ryan. I don't know what you made of that. That was a, <laughs> that was a, a puzzler to say the least, because in the replay, it looks like he almost like cups it in his elbow and it hits like the high sleeve, all his, basically his whole upper arm. And then, it was a wild one. I mean, almost seemed a little harsh to award it, but I also think it's 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 a handball. Oh, I absolutely thought it was a handfall. In fact, I would have considered giving him a yellow. I mean, he takes his left hand, he cups the ball. And it's like a tip drill in basketball. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's quite hand of God here, but like, no, I, I that was not okay to me. I cannot believe. In fact, the announcers were just mystified by it. Like, oh, I don't know if it's enough. I'm like, show it again. Show it again. I think the problem is that sometimes with the video, if you've got the funny angle, you can't yeah. really tell if it hits it or not. But I mean, to me, he opens his hand with his left hand and he goes to hit. I mean, it literally looked like a tip drill to me. And maybe at first I didn't pick it up, but I just kept thinking I thought it should have been a borderline yellow card. What I would love to see in VAR going forward, though, what I would love to see is the ability to apply a yellow card in the case of a dive or yeah. something like that, because that was a clear, in my opinion, once we watched it and it would have been hard to see if you were on his backside or something, it was a clear attempt to deceive an official. In my mm. opinion. Now, maybe that sounds harsh to you, but I really think it was intentional. And sometimes that's just reactionary. You know, the ball comes, you can just hit it with your hand. But like, I, I think that would actually be a very nice upgrade. But 
I, I as much as people hate VAR, I doubt that's going to happen. Well, and the, one of the other things I've seen, this is a little bit of a uh, diatribe, but the what what Australia does with like the mic'd up refs, and you get full transparency, and that's been my thing from day one. Is like just add some transparency to the process where you get the fans a little bit of insight, whether it's live mics during the process or you have the refs answer some questions post-match. Like they're at least somewhat accountable. And yep. this is just like shadow decisions being made. And I agree. Like the first couple replays when they were from behind, I wasn't sure clearly hits, it hits his whole upper arm and therefore it's a handball. And luckily the referees on the field got it right. Because I think if that hadn't been one that got overturned, we would have been maybe fuming a little bit, but in the end, much ado about nothing call stands and we get our best chance of the match just a few short minutes later. Yeah, that would have been amazing. I mean, at this point we were getting kind of run ragged, but we did come out with some more aggressiveness, uh, some more energy in the second half. And sure enough, in the 56 minute, the pressure kind of worked. Um, I think it was James Reese James who kind of punched it out of there on the right side. It could be wrong, but I think it was, but anyway, Ben Godfrey jumps in front of the ball, plays a nice one touch to Siggy. Siggy flicks it kind of back heel to Tom Davies. Little give and go. So Sigurdsson's got the ball at the top of the 18. Now, look, we know Gilfie's not going to put on the afterburners and separate and go in there and shoot it. But he does make a decent pass at the top of the 18 to Richarlison, who just, you know, ultimately takes a bad first touch and misses it wide. But he was in a decent place to shoot. Um, Probably about maybe the 15, you know, I mean, maybe not quite at the 12, but he was just right off the right post and just couldn't get his foot around it due to a bad touch. But that's how this game goes. Sometimes, you know, if he cracks that one and it knocks it in, Chelsea's thinking what in God's green earth is going on. But unfortunately, you know, uh, you could see that there's only so much full speed man marking our team is capable of doing, especially when you look at the personnel out there. Um, And, you know, ultimately, uh, even though I think Tom Davies was subbed in in the 56 uh, right before that for Alex Awobi, you thought, OK, there's some fresh legs, at least in the midfield. You know, not everyone has fresh legs. And ultimately, they started to pick us apart. I mean, the 59th minute, Callum Hudson-Odoi, who was just really tough on us the whole time. You know, Davies, fresh legs and all got blown by in midfield. Allen had to step in and there was that kind of crazy collision. Yeah. Hudson-Odoi came rolling over Holgate again. I hate to pick on him, but. You've got two guys on one there. You cannot let a guy get outside of you, for heaven's sakes. He did and took a pretty good shot. And then ultimately what happened was in the 64th minute, Havertz got sprung for the penalty. And, you know, let me tell you what, though. How about that pass? That passes through the lines, beats about eight guys on its way there. It's a really nice run from Havertz as well. And nothing anyone can do. Godfrey's, I mean, I, I Pickford was getting some criticism for the decision to come out. And obviously the foul is no, the most, one of the most nailed on pens you'll ever see gets nowhere near the ball, but he almost makes the play, but ends up getting legs for me. I think it's such a good pass that when Pickford sees it breaking the lines, he immediately makes the snap decision and we criticize Pickford for indecisiveness. So it's hard to like go the opposite direction and say he should have stayed put because I think he's trying to anticipate it. Um, but just gets there a little late. Havertz looking for the penalty the whole time. I think Godfrey may have been able to recover and at least close down the angle had he not come out. But at that point, you know, it's it's grasping at straws, I think. I think it was the right decision for Pickford. Unfortunately, of course, gives up the penalty and no complaints from him. 
I don't think Ben's going to get there. I, I mean, ultimately, it's his bad. You know, I mean, it's his. Yeah. It's a mistake by him. You know, and I'm not going to pick on him because he's had a great season, but you know, he's now he deflected a ball in the goal, which is very unlucky. But on this one, there's just too much space between him. So part of the problem here is you've got two. You've got three players on that side. One down the middle, and Kai Havertz making that run, and I believe Keen is occupied as well as Holgate. So what are you going to do? You know, it's normally there's two guys on one running through the channel, but if you have the ability running through the central channel, but if you've got someone that can make a pass, you know, exactly from from 50 yards on the inside, I mean, but, but no, I mean, ultimately I think the criticism is Ben has got to take a better angle there. And that's the, you can't let a guy go. I mean, I know he's used I think part of the problem is he's used to his pace and used to be able to, and, and, and I think the timing is so good and Havertz is at top speed and he is deceptively fast. You know, he's a tall guy. He's like six, two, six, three, whatever. So maybe that's the issue. Um, but I mean, it's Ben Godfrey has to do better there. I think. Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of the tempo change as well, where like Chelsea are almost content to kind of lull us to sleep. Point. And then Good they point. come out with one of those 50 yard through, again, multiple lines of defense. And I think, again, you, you mentioned, I think Godfrey has been able to rely on his athleticism. I think he exploited his athleticism multiple times today, recovering from being caught out of position and did so successfully. The one time he doesn't is he's caught well out and it results in a goal for Jorginho on the penalty uh, fooled Pickford quite easily. You know, it was well taken. Yeah. But I mean, ultimately the uh, Kovacic's pass is the thing that, yeah, it. Uh, I mean, I, mean I, I, I can't believe that on the telecast, they didn't talk about that more. I mean, it's a phenomenal pass, perfect weight and everything. And it's just, and that's how it was. I mean, they just have a lot of quality and if you're not going to put pressure on guys, it's amazing how they can beat you. Um, you know, and at that point, really, I mean, I, I, there wasn't much we did that I thought was pretty remarkable. You know, you were hoping maybe we might get back in the game. What I was surprised about is how wide open the game got at that point. You would think, and I'll bet you Thomas Tuchel was not too thrilled about it. When you're up two nil, you think you're trying to kill the game a little bit at that point. And it really stayed wide open. And I kept thinking, I'm like, you know, we could maybe get one here. You know, we could just, just one through ball, one little play. And there was some space out there. We never did um, really didn't come too close. Um, really the only attack we had of note, we had a corner in the 75th, which was only of note because Holgate is literally like hand fighting, like a cornerback yeah. in the NFL with Mendy. And then like Ben Godfrey comes in like with a <laughs> flying knee looking like, you know, Ric Flair or something. I mean, it, it just was, I was like, Ooh. what? I was like, what just happened? It was such a strange play. Um, and, and, you know, and, you know, there was a little flurry there that I thought we might have some hope. You know, Bernard showed a little composure when he came in, I thought, mm. um, and, and thought maybe his quality on the ball might, might make a difference. He came in in the, in the 75th, the 76th um, for Andre, who was clearly gassed gas, Josh King yep. coming in from Gilfie. I mean, had no real impact other than giving the ball away. Um, but those two guys, you figure if the match gets wide open, those are guys that are pretty decent in open field, but it really never amounted to anything. And if anything, I think Chelsea looked more dangerous. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you, Ryan, because you know, you mentioned two who wanting to probably keep things pretty tight and maintain the lead. But I think, Chelsea, I think we're the ones who really were forced to open up a little bit, given we were the ones kind of maintaining the defensive solidity and and keeping them, keeping men behind the ball. And so at the time you go down to nil, you're not just going to meekly go to sleep and let the game play out. So we opened up and then 
in turn, they sort of just countered us more effectively and they, you know, they're quite dangerous, but I did think Bernard looked okay coming on. I mean, he provided a little more speed, a little more intent going forward. And I wasn't blown away by Josh King, but at least he's a little bit more mobile than Gilfie Sigurdsson and made a couple okay runs. But I was pretty happy that Josh King, though, seemed a little bit more like the Josh King that we've seen in the past. That's probably mm. the first appearance he's had where, you know, it looked like he had his feet out from under him kind of a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he looked a little bit like, I mean, I don't think he's the most phenomenal player, but he's he's decent in the open field he can dribble a little bit he's got some pace he has some physicality to him that that was the first time i saw him that i thought he had a little jump to him but ultimately i mean pickford actually did a heck of a job keeping the score line at two nil i mean the yep. timo warner miss where mount played him through was god it's another terrible play by tom davies i mean it's just he goes in to challenge mount trying to hold the ball mount just knocks him over basically runs forward plays warner in pickford has a phenomenal left foot save I almost feel bad for Timo Werner, but at this point, I mean, that's not a bad shot, to be perfectly honest. I mean, does he have to bury it? Yes. But what's really impressive to me is Pickford jumps up from having gone down. The ball rolls right out to N'Golo Conte, and Pick manages to close down the angle on him and dive to his right to make a save, almost an anticipation save, phenomenal save, to be perfectly honest. And then he made another great save. Um, in the 93rd, pretty much with the game completely over, Mount had a great shot from the 18 that Pick saved. I mean, Jordan Pickford kept us in when it was wide open. It just kind of made you think, like, maybe if we would have gotten one a little earlier there, you know, you never really know. But but ultimately, when you look at the match as a whole, I mean, it was a deserved result. Yeah, just like we said at the top, throttled from start to finish, more or less. The XG shapes up Chelsea coming in just under three with 2.9. Everton, just a meager 0.28, uh, which, again, pretty much corroborates the eye test. I mean, I think Richie's chance was really our only decent one. And then a couple. I mean, we had that free kick that was wasted as well in the first oh, half that was in a really God, dangerous spot. Yeah, at that but, point, you're thinking, hey, you know, the pressure's working a little bit here. Here's a big chance. I mean, if we score first, and we've seen them, this, the, the team's going to struggle, especially with the setup today, if we don't score first. You yes. can, I was thinking for a second, I'm like, you know, it'll tell you what, this is a dangerous spot. If that goes in, maybe the game is different. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, they beat us in pretty much every aspect, and the numbers don't lie. Yeah, 20 shots to seven, nine shots on target to one. Yeah. brutal seven corners to three 15 dribbles to six 13 oh. aerials to 11 that's crazy they beat us in aerials and it's basically 65 to 35 possession and after they scored the second it was like 70 30 so even more lopsided at that point they had more tackles than us and they exactly. had the ball that's just that's not and the dispossessions were brutal it's like 15 to six i mean yeah, I mean, that that right there. I mean, literally, there isn't a single stat that we could find from a team standpoint that would have shown that Everton deserved much from it. Um, the real question is, did we have any player performances that struck you as good? The first one for me is Jordan Pickford. Despite the one error, which was just an execution error, I don't think it was a decision error, finished with eight saves without Pickford and net. I think that could be four or five nil really without too much of breaking a sweat on the part of Chelsea. Um, so he's the first one for me. I thought Luca Dean again was all right. Little under uh, 80% pass success rate had a key pass one shot, which was the free kick a couple aerials and ended with the most touches. It's just, we're so devoid of creativity in that side. And he's really like one of the only guys, maybe Gilfie a little bit who's going to create and he can't do it alone. He's not a one man team. 
Yeah, and a couple times we had guys in the box. There was no one that really could kind of get it in there when normally Luca, uh, Luca Dean would find a way to get it in there. I mean, he had one cross. And when was the last match where he only had one cross? Even when we're playing behind the ball, he's normally serving the ball quite a bit. But I, I don't think he made too many bad touches. I mean, he had a couple tackles, an interception, a clearance, two aerials. I mean, there was some good there. I, I thought Gilfie was... Okay. I mean, yeah, I just, the problem is if we ever want to hold the ball against a team, he's just not the right guy to do it. But I thought he was asked to have a very difficult job in the press. And I thought he did. Okay. Um, he had a shot, you know, he had one key pass. Um, you know, he, uh, his pass rate was decent. He didn't hand the ball over. I mean, it was one of the highest on the team besides Alex Awobi, who I mean, got no touches again. Josh King was a hundred percent pass. Ooh. Yeah, you know, and Siggy only made two bad touches, but ultimately we never really threatened and we know he's not really going to create anything by himself. So um, that being said, with 33 touches, maybe you would expect him to create a little bit more. Um, what about what about the guys in the back line? Ben Godfrey and Michael Keane. I'm I just think Godfrey got caught out a few many times. Yeah. I think a few too many times. Excuse me. I think Michael Keane, again, like very kind of innocuous and wasn't drawn, drawing too much attention to himself, which by center back standards means you probably had a decent game. I thought he was the better, probably maybe the best performer of the back line in that sense, at least. But they weren't exactly disrupting defensively a whole, whole lot. I think they were sitting back and kind of just being the last line of defense and they weren't involved in a lot of blocks or anything like that. I think Keen stepped in and made a couple interceptions, but that's about yeah. it. And ultimately uh, what it comes down to is, I mean, your center center halves are really your back lines only as good as your midfield in a way in some games. And, and I think that's really where we particularly True. fell apart. I mean, Alon, the first 20 minutes was terrible. He kind of eventually, Horrible. I mean, eventually settled into the game, though. I mean, he, you know, he, he made four tackles. He attempted seven. That's not the greatest. I mean, he was dribbled past three times. That's not super. Um, but I will say this. It was much better than the numbers for Andre were particularly bad. I mean, three times dispossessed. I mean, at least Alon kept the ball a little bit. One bad touch. He did have her only shot on target. He had one tackle, one interception, two fouls. But the, the most damning number of the match is he attempted seven tackles and made one. He was driveled past six times, and it felt like 26 times. I mean, that that's ultimately the story of the match. I mean, if you're just getting toasted in the middle and, and you know, you're providing no resistance and he had, you know, Carlo had a set up in a way where we were man marking. And if you're allowed to get bypassed that many, I have no idea how many times he got bypassed with the actual pass itself, which is probably a lot too. Maybe I'm wrong, um, but that's it. You know, I mean, when you're allowed to cut through a midfield like that, um, you're going to have pressure on your back line. Um, and, and, and the thing is early in the match, it was very obvious. The weak side was Andre. Awobi and Mason Holgate and Mason Holgate again, unfortunately had another subpar performance. I thought, yeah, just one last on, on word on Andre Gomez and Allen. I think they had like basically polar opposite performances where I thought Andre was all right for the first 20 minutes. Allen kind of stunk it up yeah. and then Allen kind of picked up and improved. Whereas Gomez was a, a sharp nose dive to for the worse for collect, but collectively look at them. I mean, they attempted 14 tackles and collectively they were dribble past nine times. I mean, yeah. that's not, that's not good enough from your midfield. And yes, Andre's the one who's really 
spiking it. Um, but ultimately, that makes it tough on a back line. And and I think in the past, we've had Decore over there on the right side. Right. It would make it's, a massive. Di- I mean, th- that's not there's no way Decore is going to have that number. You know, it's really just reminiscent of a lot of our midfield performances last season where yeah. it was just a black hole in there and Aunt Allen obviously one of the, the only new guy in there and wasn't able to make a huge amount of difference unfortunately but back to Mason Holgate again we don't want to pile on the kid playing out of position but my god it's tough watching him in possession he is uh, extremely wasteful with the ball he's consistently huffing it long but ended up with one dribble a bad touch 78 percent passing only better than basically the front line, our strikers and Jordan Pickford five for 11 and long passes, which is honestly better than I would have expected. Having watched the game, the crosses were just a nightmare, no tackles, couple interceptions, a clearance and a couple fouls. So not his best day at the office. Ryan, one player no. we didn't have on here, but I think it is worth mentioning. Talked about him earlier and that's Alex Wobie because people obviously subbed off probably earlier than he would have liked. Um, and I don't think he has had the best couple games, but what I do appreciate about Alex Wobie is that when we're in that final third, the man looks like he wants to try stuff. Like even if it means wandering all the way across the field, dribbling the ball and trying to link up on the left, he just looks desperate for anything to come off. He was about the only, I mean, he had one sequence where he ran the ball left and actually made some moves and got us forward. Then he had another one where he got a rebound, held the ball up and laid it off to Andre. And one of our only dangerous open play opportunities. And I just, I I don't, I don't think, first of all, I like Alex Awobi. I've already said that a hundred times because I've seen what he can do in the past. Yeah, maybe too many times. But the guy had 24 touches. He was defending the whole time. I mean, what do you want him to do? Did he make a bad pass? I mean, literally had 14 passes, I think, and he only misplaced one. I, you know, and, and everyone else is mispassing the ball over the place. And, and, you know, that was one cross. That was the only pass he missed the entire match. You know, he had a dribble. I mean, he did some things. But ultimately, if you can't attack, this time we couldn't even attack from either side. And that's what yeah. the problem was, you know. And I, so what I'm hopeful is that, I had no problem with the sub because in essence, you're thinking a little bit more tactically, although I really wish you would have subbed off Andre for Tom Davies instead. I just, I just think, I think Alex still had some hope maybe of getting a ball running at someone because no one else was doing it with the exception of Richarlison and, and Richie was giving the ball up a lot when he was doing it because he had so much attention. We have got to find a way to be a little more dynamic and attack. And really what it comes down to is we miss Hamas, man. Big time, big time. Um, And I also just wanted to give a quick shout out. He didn't play a whole lot, but I thought Tom Davies did make a difference when he came on the legs. Um, he, he had a couple poor positionally defensive positioning, yeah. but he at least moved the ball forward a little bit. He was getting up and down the pitch, provided better legs than Andre. And um, I think he's, if, if the is out for an extended period of time, I'd much rather have Tom Davies in there than Andre. Flat yeah. Out. I think the match with Alon, I think, is necessary. That being said, Tom also was responsible for two bad plays where he gave up the ball and then got knocked over on big chances. I yeah. think this; those are with some of those examples, though. If that ball goes in, unfortunately, due to recency bias or whatever else, the fans would be all over him. Uh, that being said, he did redeem himself in late in the match with um his one foul which he Beautiful. definitely got his he definitely he definitely got his money's worth walked in and just absolutely cracked 
Marcus Alonso right in the back of the heel. Alonso <laughs> got up and kind of laughed at him. And yeah. was like, I know what you did there. And Davies just laughed back at him. He was like, yep, that's what I did. Um, which, you know, it would have been nice to see some of that fight earlier, but I, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe he wasn't ready to go 90 minutes, but I, I think knowing how we decided to play, I think Tom Davies would have been a much better choice than Andre Gomes. But again, if he's not healthy, he's not healthy. And that's where we're at right now, you know, unfortunately. And that's the thing. Like, it's one thing to not have a fully formed team. And you look at the bench that Chelsea has. It's unbelievable, right? But on top of that, we have all these injuries. So even if we were at full full bore, we could certainly compete better with these guys. And, And look, we beat them earlier in the year. So it's not like we're incompetent when we're healthy. But that's really what it comes down to, you know? Yeah, I I absolutely agree. And it just feels like, you know, we've been talking about, again, since that first couple, like, four matches where we were top of the table and we were flying high and Spirit of the Blues was playing 50 times a day and woo, we just have never been fully fit since. And it's been like, okay, well, we'll get this guy back and hopefully Jean-Philippe Gabamon will be back at some point. It's like, that's not going to happen. Our Lord and Savior. I think we'll have to just play with these kind of holes in the squad for the remainder of the season. And we can still take points from these games, but when people start to critique the style of play and maybe like harken back to recent managers of the past that played ugly, ugly, ugly football, it's like, look, we're in a much better position. We're taking points from matches. We could only have dreamt of taking points from in seasons past. It's just a pragmatic. It may not be pretty, but when we are fully fit, we do play attractively and we create some really good chances with the guys that are that we brought in that are actually effective at going forward. And look, we are where we're at right now. So pragmatism, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and you know, Carlo made some interesting comments after the match. He, he kind of said that the team is disappointed, but not too much, because what really matters is the rest of the way. I mean, we're in a dogfight here. You know, he thought we defended well. The unlucky on the deflected goal, he's not totally wrong. But, I mean, you know, his point was when we got down, the game was different. And, and that's that's the team we are right now. The funniest part was the guys afterwards saying, Carlo, you changed shape. Why'd you do that, basically? He's like, we didn't change shape. What are you talking about? And, and he's right. We didn't. I didn't see any shape change. I mean, I, I think part of the big difference was to look at Seamus Coleman, how he locked down Andy Robertson. And Carlo mentioned that, too. He put Holgate on Marcus Alonso, who didn't lock him down. Um, and, and so that's a big part of it, but to sum it up, truly Carlo, I think I'm, I've almost got this verbatim one year ago. Someone said to us next year, you will be here four points behind champions leave. Of course, with a game in hand, I would say you are crazy. Um, and that's, we should feel good about it, but, but, but still, but still, I mean, you'd be remiss to look at those standings and not think, man, we got a dogfight. And if we're that shorthanded, especially losing someone like Decore, I mean, gosh, man, this is. It's going to be tough, but look, you know, Carlo knows what he's doing. Um, and I know we've been squeaking out some results and we want us to go back to that high flying kind of team. That's capable of putting a couple balls back behind some keepers. Um, but you know, we'll just see how it plays out. I mean, look, we got a shot, you know, that that's, that's all you can ask for. And the world's not going to end if we, if we don't finish. I mean, I think some people are being unrealistic, frankly, about hopes for the champions league, my personal opinion, especially seeing how a squeaking out, six points from two games that we probably didn't deserve. I mean, that can't continue forever. Um, But, but maybe look, we still are. I mean, because look, it's going to be an accomplishments finish in the top six this year. And that should still be the goal. Totally agree. Um, I, I, I just think we said it at the start of the year. We've said it the whole time. I'd be very happy with six, but again, it's like, 
it's funny how just every game this time of year and really all season like becomes a must win. So, yeah. Because it's just been so tight is like you can jump people if three points is huge. Every single huge. time you pick up three, you're jumping like three, four spots in the table. So every game becomes a must win and then we lose and then everyone's distraught and upset. And it's like, look, put it in perspective. We've got about what a dozen games remaining. Most of them 11. are very winnable. Yeah. 11 left and we can win a bunch of them if if if. Again, hopefully we're healthy, but yeah, I mean, if the right team shows up and plays to what we're capable of doing and look, there's a lot of pressure on a lot of different teams. I, I like the fact that we got a manager that wasn't going to fold under it. No, this is nothing to Carlo. Carlo is like practically sleepwalking through this. I mean, he's been in champions league finals. He's done everything there is to do. He's sipping his coffee, blowing it and then cooling it off and uh, cool. But that matters, but that yes, matters. That's 100%. a really important thing to have. You know, some of the other guys he's going up against. I mean, David Moyes has not been in this situation. He's not. He's, I mean, really, I mean, scared. you could say, well, you know, he was at Man U, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, he really wasn't. You know what I mean? Um, so we'll see how it is. Now, that being said, Jose has and they're only a point behind us. So looking that's good to thought. Yeah, they are. But look, hey, you know, I mean, nothing's going to be easy in this league. It's a tough league, you know, and, and a couple this losses are in some of these teams, you know, they could drop like a rock. But regardless, I think we had some pretty good commentary. I think afterwards I want to hit um, the first one I wanted to hit was beans at uh, Eccles bean. Um and I think this summed it up pretty well for me. This is kind of my number one that I took from it. Harsh reminder of the deficiencies in the squad and how far we have to go and improve to compete with the best in the division. Solid defensive foundations are there. Need better quality players who can protect and use the ball positively under pressure. Amen, Beans. Nail on head. Bang, bang. Then we had ZC at ZCarl0505. Would have liked to see Cena will be given a shot at the top of the diamond. Yeah, I, I only put that one in because um, the sub, it would have been interesting if that's what it would have went with. You know, yeah. I, I would like to see someone with a little more activity in the middle of the pitch that can carry the ball. But it's just hard. You know, he, I just feel like Awobi's kind of wasted to me sitting out there playing right wing back. You know, if that's yeah. what you're going to play, you might as well start Tom Davies to play in that position. You know, if you're really not going to use him and try and get him up forward. Um, but but I think the major point is that Awobi's the type of player that hopefully when we're playing a team where we've got a little more possession, we can get the ball farther up the field. He's going to be the guy that hopefully can make that type of difference in the final third. But we've got to get our creative players. Bernard's another one. Guys that can actually create a little bit the ball in more dangerous areas as we go forward. So I, I wouldn't write off him or even Bernard based on a match like this. I just think we were kind of behind it and look at the quality that they have and they're playing well and they're confident. We ran into a buzzsaw today again. Yeah, it's, it really is almost exactly the same as the city match is bested by a team that has more depth and is more equipped to deal with the rigors of a full slate of fixtures. We're just not really in that position, and you lose a couple key guys, and that's it. Um, but let's move on, get to the last few here. We had Stephen Leary at Mr. Everton 1878. That's a great handle. Uh, always going to be tough, mate. Even with our best 11, that's a hard game, one of the hardest of the season. Worried about Decore and our lack of mobility in midfield. Need to find a way to get on with it for these last games without him. Davies back in for Saturday with Allen in three points. Prayer hands emoji. I agree with that totally. I mean, we we've... we've ranted and raved and praised Decore's legs. And he has like 
six legs basically he can run for three people and without that we just looked very very slow andre gomez is basically hopping around on one leg um and just deficient without and he's probably exhausted too he's played a ton of minutes yeah what steven leary is spot on my friends if you want to see someone out there that says it like it is you know and that's objective uh, definitely follow him he's friend of the show but he's definitely spot i love talking to steven he has always very good insights and seems to be above the noise which is important uh let's go to rob at bobby c underscore 1878 played against a very good well-organized side who have great strength and depth i also think we were in the game until the penalty and then we lost our way you know he does make a good point if we score in that free kick is it a different game maybe not i mean their quality could have risen to the top but once you score that one, you really don't have to really worry about progressing the ball. I wonder if we play behind it a little bit and we become very difficult. I mean, uh, yeah. have like they don't have like a target guy or anything. I mean, maybe our tactics weren't perfect. I don't know. I don't know. It would have been interesting. But then you go to someone like Ed at Dixie 60 <laughs> getting sliced. This, by the way, this exchange, I think was great. It was between Ed and uh, Malcolm Tent at Serenity Nye. Uh, this exchange, I think says it really all. So it starts out with like this Ed saying getting sliced up by Chelsea almost felt inevitable games like that infuriate me. Could we have set up a different way? Obviously not much of a thought, more of a question. And Malcolm's comment was, did you see the bench? (laughs) And Ed's response is great too. I, I did not much there either. Yes. Seems like not many options in shape or personnel. Davey surely not fully fit. Not sure where Carlos sees King fitting, but he wasn't deemed ready to start. And Bernard isn't first choice. Ed's response was, that's what usually gets me angry when I feel like we could play this fixture a hundred times. And really the result would be the same, a huge chunk of the time. Now that being said, and then he makes a funny comment about makes me feel like, like a Lions fan. (laughs) I'm a Lions fan. I don't like being reminded of it. He says, (laughs) that's a great, it's a great line. I love this exchange was brilliant, but um, I, I hear that, but. I, look, we're not always going to be this way. And I think that's okay for me. I, I saw the lineups out. I saw what our bench looked like and I wasn't overly optimistic about it. And as a result, I wasn't so terribly upset about it, but what is more important is setting Burnley. us up going forward is Burnley in the next match and taking three points there, man. So this match has nothing to do with the one we got next short memory. Look, I would have been overjoyed with a point today. I'm not all too upset with not picking up any again it's gonna have to hope maybe wait just one more season before we can get that elusive win at stanford bridge um but my final thoughts are on to burnley the less said about this one the better quite honestly and hopefully carlo alluded to the fact that hamas might be fit for that game seems like he is just consistently on the verge of being fit and not fit which is not all that encouraging but with him in the side, I don't think he would necessarily make that much of a difference today, given the he might rest have. of the midfield. He, he, might he could have, have come, but he can come up with that one moment. I, I think that's the thing, but he wouldn't have covered for the lack of legs in midfield for sure. No, but he can hold the ball up in advanced positions and maybe yeah. help other people get forward. I mean, we just don't have enough of that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I just, he does make a massive difference, but again, you know, I, I, I would rather, if his health is in question, I would rather have him be the one that help us take points off the weaker sides. Agreed. Because I think that's like, he's like the key that unlocks the doors. And we have other guys that can do it, but he's really obviously been vital for us. Um, Ryan, I guess, do we pick a man of the match after a 2-0 loss? I mean, I think for me, it would have to be Jordan Pickford if you pick one. 
But uh, now kudos to Jordan Pickford for playing great. But I mean, you know, we're going to honor Tony Sampson's critique. And uh, Captain America says we don't pick a man of the match after a loss. We don't (laughs) pick a man of the match. All right, folks. Well, on that note, then it's going to do it for us for this episode of the American Toffee podcast. If you would like to subscribe on any of our multiple platforms that we are on, please, or social media, et cetera, et cetera link tr.ee slash USA toffee pod. If you would do us a massive favor and leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice, help us out there. That would be much appreciated. Check out our stuff on toffee TV USA and subscribe to toffee TV. Great channel. And until next time, until after Burnley, you know what it is. It's up the toffees. (laughs) 